Okay. Where was I? <laughs> Sleep. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and thank you. In, in, in Luke, we have the story, as I was telling you, about Jairus' daughter. And he went there, and they laughed at him. He says, she's not asleep. And the word in, in Luke there, uh, uh, eight, uh, the word asleep literally means she went to bed. Now, when we look at asleep in this scripture in 1 Thessalonians, that sleep means you're dead. <laughs> You've died. Solomon, uh, David, uh, in 1 Kings 2, uh, as he was, uh, let me just read it for you. I've got it here. Uh, as David's time uh, drew near, he charged Solomon, his son, I'm going the way of all the earth. I'm going the way of all the earth. We know of two people in Scripture who did not see physical death. Who are they? Enoch. Enoch. Elijah. So Enoch and Elijah. Of course, Jesus saw physical death, but he was, he was resurrected. <clears throat> and unless you are in their company, we'll all see death. My first experience with death was I was 13, just turned 13, when my grandfather on my mother's side died. We call him Papa. And as the tradition was in the South, you know, uh, we were at the funeral home, and I was fearful of this casket up there. I'm still not a fan of open caskets, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, and Dad took me up there, and he said, he's just asleep in Jesus. And, and we understand that. Years later, uh, our family, and Art, I'll have to correct me on this, this tale, but we went, the family was going somewhere, and yet Velt and I wanted to go by the funeral home and pay our respects to the family of somebody who had died. And so we did, and what, we left the boys in the car. And we think Art was about eight, so that puts Andy at, at uh, what, five? And uh, <clears throat> so um, they were talking when we got back to the car. And, uh, well, we asked them what they were talking about, and... Art was explaining to Andy what happened. And he says, he says, it's like a big elevator that they go up to heaven. I told Velt, I said, leave it alone. You can't improve on that. <laughs> so, so death, it's something we all face, something we all will face personally, and it, we've already faced it in our lives. You know, asleep, in Jesus, and that's a big difference of sleep in Jesus. So in verse, verse 17 in this scripture we just read, and we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we always be with the Lord. 
Hart mentioned last week that this caught up is a word that we use in church, rapture, catching out. And it's, and it's where we meet the Lord in the air. Now, if you were in Christian circles and you were where we are today, you might say the second coming and you mean the rapture. But the second coming is when Jesus ultimately returns to earth. Uh, his ultimate return to earth. So now let's go to that first scripture on, your, on that little piece of paper, Matthew 24. And we'll look at a few verses here. <clears throat> Matthew 24. This is, if, if these people know who printed our Bibles know what they're talking about. These are in red, so it's Jesus speaking. Uh, and so he, he talks from verse 32 through 51. He talks about his coming back. Verse 32, learn the parable from the fig tree when the branches are already come tender and put forth its leaves. You know that summer is near. So you too, when you see these things, recognize he is near right at the door. Truly I say unto you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of the day and hour, knows no one knows, not even the angels of heaven or the Son, or the fa but the Father alone. Um, so that's one of these verses that you need to kind of know that when Jesus coming back, we don't know. Now, is he talking about the rapture of the church or is he talking about his second coming at this point? Both. And that's, it has dual this scripture has dual, dual meaning in that, that this is the rapture of the church. Nothing has to happen. Israel, nothing has to happen for the Lord to catch us up for the rapture of the church. Nothing has to happen. So this is, but the day of the hour, no one knows, not the angels in heaven or the son, or, but the father alone. And it's also true, it's also true uh, when he comes again. Now, there's much to be talked about um, in these times. Uh, this is, I'm taking this from Wayne Grudem, uh, Systematic Theology. No matter what differences on, excuse me, no matter what the difference on the details, all Christians who take the Bible as their final authority agree that the ultimate result of Christ's return will be the judgment of unbelievers at the, and the final reward of believers, and that the believers will live with Christ in a new heaven and a new earth for eternity. Everybody agrees on that. We disagree on when. And how? And I've told you before that when I was a younger man, I had this all mapped out. The older I get, 
it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We don't need to get all hung up on, on these things about the specifics or about when the time will be. But in this scripture, Jesus himself tells us that, that these things are happening. Look at verse 42. Therefore be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert, would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, you must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. The second coming of Christ and as the rapture, we don't hear preached very much anymore. And I think that's a shame for a variety of reasons because it takes away the urgency of the gospel. If we knew that the Lord was coming tonight, we would live different and we would talk to our friends different and our loved ones different. And the urgency of the gospel kind of went away when we don't preach it. But scripture is plain. We don't know when it's going to happen but it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Uh, just like David said, I'm going to go way of all the earth. That's a fact. That's a fact. And why we put off taking care of things is amazing to me. Um, this is free, but if you got your wills done, does your family know where they are? Have you signed the silly thing? <laughs> we've got uh, we've got some friends that her husband uh, passed away, and he had he had his will all done and everything, but didn't sign it. And she went through her his widow went through a hard time with uh, the rest of it. So it's inevitable, folks. You know we're gonna we're gonna go that way. So we need to be careful. Now, let's go to 1 uh, Corinthians 15. Romans, Corinthians 15. Now, what do you know right quick about 1 Corinthians 15? Right. It's a resurrection. It's Paul's thesis on the resurrection. Uh, Okay, let me get there. All right, verse 3 of 1 Corinthians 15. For I delivered to you as first importance, that's important, first importance, that I also received that Christ died for our sins according to Scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to Scripture, and then he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve after that, it appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep, died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me. First importance that he, uh, he uh, appeared to them. 
Now look at verses uh, 20. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruit of those who are asleep, dead. For since by man came death, by man came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruit, after that those who are in Christ at his coming. Then comes the end, when he hands over the kingdom of God and the Father, uh, and he will abolish all rule and all authority and all power, for he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy which will be abolished is death. Okay. Now go to verse 50. Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trump will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. Back to verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. Now, Paul, when he left, when he left Thessalonica, he went to Athens for just a little bit. Then he went to Corinth. And at Corinth, we know that's where he wrote Thessalonians. But while he was at Corinth, he met the most carnal people, most carnal Christians that there were. And he picks up this thing and he goes back and later writes to them and he says, I tell you a mystery. So what he told us in First Thessalonians was a mystery at the time. What, what does that mean, mystery? What scriptures did they have? The Old Testament. The Old Testament. It was not revealed in the Old Testament. So Paul says, the Lord has shown me... <coughs> A mystery. A mystery. Now I want to look at a couple of more mysteries that that we we kind of take for granted, but it to prove the point here, uh, go to Romans chapter eleven. Verse 24. For if you were cut off what is by nature a wild olive tree and were grafted contrary to natural into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these who are the natural branches be grafted 
into their own olive tree. He's making the statement here that, that the Romans were not Jews. They weren't of the circumcision, as he continues to say. But look at verse 25. For I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery, so that you will not be wise in your own estimation that a partial hardening has to happen to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come. Jesus said he came unto his own in John. We went through John. But his own received him not. But as many as received him, he gave them the power to become the sons of God. And this is what Paul is telling here. He says it was a mystery that the Jews were going to be on pause. And Pastor Bobby's been talking about Israel and end times. And I don't know when that's going to happen, and he doesn't either, and, and nobody else, in my opinion. But when the, the fullness of the Gentiles has come, that was a mystery. So we're in an age, what we call, if you're looking at it dispensationally, the age of grace or the age of the church. And, and, and when that time is going to wind up, we don't know. All right, let's look at Ephesians, the third chapter. GE Power Company. Okay. Verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of the Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you, that by revelation there was made known to me a mystery. So I wrote briefly. Look at verse 5 which in other generations was not made known to the Son of Men as it has now been revealed to the holy apostles and the prophets to be specific that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. Christ in the scripture is synonymous to what? Messiah. Well, the Jews were looking for the Messiah. But in this particular case, Paul says, I'm going to tell you a mystery that not only are the Jews looking for the Messiah, but the Gentiles are too, and they're fellow partakers of the promise. Of the promise. All right, now let's look at Ephesians 5. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her by 
cleansing her by the washing of the water with the word, that he might present to himself a church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own body, and he who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his holy body. For this reason shall a man leave his father and his mother, and they shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great. I'm speaking the reference of Christ and the church. So Jesus is saying the mystery that man and his wife are to love one another as Christ loves the church. And he says this is a mystery. There are several, several other things that Paul delineated as a mystery. And this thing of being raised again at the end was a big mystery in the church. And, and Paul is teaching uh, this mystery little by little to the people that he's writing to. Now, go back to 1 Thessalonians and let's look at... Uh, At the chapter 4, verse 18. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Um, you know I watch too much YouTube. I watched a podcast the other day of a couple interviewing two hospice nurses and they were talking about hospice and and death and dying and it wasn't this was a secular interview it wasn't a Christian but it real quickly developed into that one of the nurses you know she admitted you know that she was a Christ follower the other one not so much, but, but they talked about death and dying. And both of them said it makes a difference when the person and the family that knows the Lord when it comes to the end. And we know that's true. We know that's true. That when, 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 you're, when you're facing... Uh, as David says, going the way of all the earth, you know, when you, when you know that, and you know where you're going and you, you don't know the details. I wish we would. I wish, I wish somebody would come back from heaven and says, this is how it is. Because that's Bill's nature. You know, I want to know. If I'm not going to Hawaii, but if I was going to Hawaii, I'd read and look and study all I could do about Hawaii. But we can't do that in heaven. The best we got is what's in this scripture. And as we talked about heaven several months ago, you know, there's a lot we don't know. Partly because what we want to know is right now. 
right now. We know more about after the resurrection. We don't have a clue when that's going to happen. We're going to read a little bit in here in Peter where he says a day with the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. And, and I'm an old man and I've just lived 84 years. Forever is a long time. And yet we're stuck in time and space here. Okay. Comfort one another with these words. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You all know these scriptures. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 6. Therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage. I say and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. We talked about it when we went through the, the, our study on, on heaven that this idea of, a, of purgatory or intermediate space or that's not scriptural. If we believe this book, if we believe this book, when I die, I'm with Jesus. I don't know how all that works. I don't know. But absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now look at Psalms 116. These scriptures you know. Psalms 116. Psalms 116, verse 15. If you're an old like me, you need to have this one <laughs> underlined. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of one of his godly ones. When I'm gone, don't weep for me. Weep for Art and Andy and Velta. They're going to have to clean out my office. <laughs> Second Peter. Second Peter chapter three. Second Peter three. Verse three. Knowing this first, first of all. That in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lust, saying, Where is the promise 
of his coming. For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. Let me pause right there a minute. Art talked to you last week. The first book that Paul wrote, 1 Thessalonians, and he's talking about the Lord's coming back. Paul expected Jesus to bust one of those hillsides in his lifetime. Later, when Peter wrote this thing, verse 4 there, uh, he says, where is the promise of his coming? Ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. And yet we're 2,000 years this side of when Peter wrote this. Look at verse 5. For when we maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of the Lord, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of the water and by water, through which the world at the time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But by his word, the present heaven and the earth are being reserved for fire. It's all going to burn up one day. Kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of ungodly men. Verse 8. But do not let this one fact escape your notice. That with the Lord, one day is a thousand years. The thousand years is like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, for all to come to repentance. There's many scriptures that say we don't know when Jesus is coming back, and yet there's scriptures that kind of tell some tales. We don't know. We don't know. But a day with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Back to verse 18 in First Thessalonians. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Paul wanted those new believers in Thessalonica to know some truths, some mysteries that, that had been hidden, but he's gradually unfolding these mysteries that Christ had allowed him to see. Mm -hmm. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of the archangel, with a trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. There's all kind of discussion about, you know, who's going to shout and who the archangel is and who's going to blow the trumpet. That's crazy. Somebody's going to do it. And that's that. <laughs> that's that. Why do we get hung up on stuff like that? But we do. We do. Okay. That's, that's what I've got on this last little bit of, of 1 Thessalonians 4. 
Next week, we'll pick up on First uh, Thessalonians 5 and go over some of this again uh, because it's, uh, well, not again, but yeah, again. <laughs> but we'll, uh, we'll see it. And then uh, we might finish First uh, Thessalonians 5 next week, and if that's the case, Art will pick up on Second Thessalonians the following week. Any questions? Any comments? Yes, Bud. I, um, over time, I've been looking at this, and um, I got some notes from the past, too, but why, why we think that this is the time, getting close to the end. Your last mention of, of the time of these periods, of, if you look at it from, from the time of uh, Genesis, to, Genesis to Abraham was about you know, 2,000 years, and you got from Abraham to Jesus is about 2,000, and, and then you go on to, to present from now to us, another 2,000. You look at, at 6,000 years, and the interesting thing that after that is you have on the seventh day he rested, and it talks about in Scripture that when Jesus comes up to set up his reign, which is what the Jews are looking for. They want a kingdom reign by their Messiah. He does it for a thousand years. So there's kind of your seven day picture in time of what the Bible talks about you know, from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. The other thing I think that it's important to bring out, and I've been bringing this to my, a lot of my Catholic friends that I've been trying to witness to and understand as I go through some of the scriptures. Isaiah 66, eight says, travel and knowledge shall increase. Up until this generation, I want to say this too, my, my, I have two older brothers who were born in May of 1948, so we're still within that generation. They're still alive, so. Um, travel and knowledge shall increase. In our generation, before this time, I mean, the fastest you had in the 1800s was maybe a train or a fast-moving sailboat, maybe, or steamboat. But you think about it, we've gone to the moon. And the scriptures in Isaiah 66, 8, travel and knowledge shall increase. And at this generation, there's been no other generation like this. We're seeing the mocking and the scoffing that you talked about. Even, even myself, I mean, even when I thought when I came to Christ, yeah, there was a few people that mocked it and all that kind of stuff. Um, but not like we're seeing now. It's escalating, and those labor pains are getting more and more. In Daniel, he was told to shut up to the end of time. But there will also be a time when a nation, who ever heard of it, such a thing? A nation, one day, will become a nation. And that's why I go back to May 1948. One nation. And that, that, that's Israel, May 14, 1980. And it was voted in by the UN. Even Russia voted for it. I guess they felt guilty about the, uh, the Holocaust. But... My, my point is, I think we're within that generation. Could we go on for another 10,000 years? Sure, whatever. But I think the signs are here. And if you look at all the stuff that's going on, it's just, I got a bunch more, I won't go into it, but yeah. I just want to point these out. He said within that generation, by the way, when you read back in Matthew, um, the fig tree will blossom within that generation. We're in that generation. So I just won't leave you with that. But uh, Bud doesn't know either. <laughs> oh, 
But I'm, it's. I'm not doing a cap, captain. What is his name? Was put a Yeah, we we've uh, we're in the season, some of some of our Jehovah's Witness friends have done that three or four times, and yes. it hadn't happened yet. No, so, I'm just so saying, I think that the scripture. I, th- I think I think the part you're trying to say is what we've said before, Bud. That we need to get ready. Yeah. We don't. We, we don't. We don't know. We don't know when the Lord's going to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be. Could be now. We don't know. We don't know. And the urgency of the gospel is a truth. Anything else? Well, I suppose we'll dismiss and we'll we'll go we'll go see what Pastor Bobby's got for us. Let's pray. Yes. Bob and Evelyn, daughter in laws will be going to Eddie Anderson Wednesday for more tests. Remember her her dad passed away yesterday. Oh. So she really needs your prayers. Okay. What's Candace dad's name? You got it, Bill? Okay. All right. Let's, Thank you. Let's remember Carson, who lost her grandfather. Yes. yes. Well, funeral was yesterday. Pardon? The funeral for her grandfather was yesterday. Yesterday, right. That was, um, that was her stepmother's dad. But anyway, yes. Pray for Carson. Anything else? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that the Bible is true. We can believe it. And we trust it. And Father, we know that you love us. We know that you're going to take care of us. We don't know when the end's coming. But we need to be ready. We also know that death is a surety for each of us. And, Father, let us live like it, like we're going to go tomorrow. Bless us now. Be with us as we go to the further services. Be with everything that's said, sung, preached, prayed, and you bring honor and glory to yourself. And we thank you. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.